Somatics is about individually and collectively embodying our wholeness and aliveness. This is Healing Justice, a podcast bridging conversations at the intersections of collective healing and social change. I'm your host, Kate Warning, and today I'm talking with someone I really admire, Sumitra Rajkumar. We discuss what somatics is, the meaning and common misinterpretation and misuse of the concepts of trauma and triggers, the reality of this political moment, and holding the seeming contradictions of organizing, healing, head, and heart. After 20 years of political education and youth-led documentary work, Sumitra Rajkumar is now a somatics practitioner and teacher under the auspices of Generative Somatics. She coaches organizers and cultural workers to address the impact of trauma in their lives and step into leadership and collective action. Sumitra works with organized groups to hone shared values and purpose, process conflict, and trust their power to move society towards justice. Sumitra believes in the creative, emotional, and intellectual capacities of human beings to become agents of radical, interdependent social movements. She lives in Brooklyn, New York, and is working on her first novel. And you can make sure that you never miss a juicy episode of Healing Justice by going into your podcast app right now and subscribing. And if this conversation moves you, you can also take a moment to give us a positive rating and review. It really means a lot. Thanks for being here with us. Here we go. Hi, Sumitra. <laughs> Hi, Kate. Thank you so much for welcoming me to your apartment to have this conversation. You're welcome. Thank you for asking me. Um, and I'm so excited to talk with you and also share our conversation with others um, because, you know, for a long time before I met you, I have friends from, you know, organizers and directors of organizations and people working in climate justice and sort of all over the place that come mm. to you for somatic therapy. <laughs> um, and being in sort of like this pursuit of, of the combination of healing work and kind of embodied leadership and, and justice work together, suddenly like, I, I used to be the weirdo in my friend group that was sort of into that stuff. You're and, still the weirdo. And, <laughs> so am I. You just got more weirdos. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's becoming a little bit more cultural support for the weirdness, <laughs> like, like as suddenly folks who were coming to you for somatic therapy were using the words of somatics and also were like, you know, bringing up like, oh, have you read uh, The Body Keeps the Score and are like yeah. bringing these things sort of into just when we're hanging out at parties and stuff like that. And I had not really heard that conversation amongst my organizer friends yeah. before. And so um, was sort of excited for a long time to meet you. And mm. here we are to maybe share a little bit about somatics and what it is that you do with other folks. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, so excited yeah. to. Excited to. It's such a trip, huh? Yeah. That like, <laughs> I mean, the, the trip being that toggling between those different mm -hmm. worlds and this mm -hmm. experimental moment that we're in mm. of this sort of, well, what is transformation and what is it, what does it mean to 
uh, what is embodied transformation <laughs> and why is that important in organizing and movement building? What will it do for us? Mm. What will it do for the world? Why now? What are we doing? I mean, yeah, yeah I feel like that's, uh, I mean, that's a, a really a deep moment for us all. And it's a definitely one that I'm very interested in mm. and spend a lot of my time agonizing over and really enjoying at the same time. Uh-huh. Yeah. And so, um, how did it come to be for you to sort of be in both of these worlds? Like, is there mm-hmm. something about your constitution or <laughs> like life experience that led you maybe first more to the action and justice realm or first more to the, the embodiment realm? Like how hmm. has, have those different worlds kind of been present in bringing you here? Yeah, that's, oh my God, that's such a good, rich question. And, um, you know, I have to say that for the longest time, I have been concerned with questions of power and agency. And with a kind of, I mean, for lack of a, well, we'll just use it as a catch-all word for now, but a kind of consciousness, like our sense of who we are in the world. Um, and just the human, our human condition you know, are like the ways we relate. So I feel like that, even if I couldn't have named it in the past, that's, that is something that concerned me. And I would say probably from way back when, Mm. (laughs) right? So before, before naming it. Um, And the moment I could give name to it, I kind of found myself in a world that was about creative agency, leadership development, mobilization, organizing together, relating well in different forms. So not to be super loosey-goosey about all of those things, but I do know that like um, generally those concerns have been with me a long time. And then the specifics of how I landed into somatics or landed into working with organizers, that has its own concrete story. Um, so, um, yeah, I feel like um, I started probably with um, working with young people, doing creative documentary work, doing political education work, but really kind of connecting storytelling to a sense of individual and collective agency um, and community agency um, and really feeling the power of what it means to tell stories. So that was the first move. And then the political education surfaced and that that analysis and what's needed for a movement became really important to me. Mm. And I did a lot of self-study and um, so outside of any, outside of also my formal education, I did a lot of self-study to kind of get more, um, um, well, to try to get more wise or to get more, um, um, you know, clear-headed about what it was that, like, what is, what, what, what is to be done? What do we need to do in this moment? So that definitely did preoccupy me for a long time. But it was always side-by-side side with questions of individual and collective agency and what it meant for people to feel, um, like, whole and connected to their communities. So when then I found somatics, <laughs> um, and, the, and generative somatics in particular, um, Although initially I was a little uncertain and balking at like, um, oh my gosh, what is this new age shit? 
because I had that. I'm from the land of charlatans and gurus and, you know, <laughs> so I had my own kind of yeah. um, suspicions. But then the pragmatism of embodied transformation, mm. um, like, is what, like, like, sort of smacked me upside the head and, like, got me really involved mm. and committed in in this work mm. um, and then starting to explore the intersections of this work, right? So, and that felt very congruent with previous explorations in creative agency and in art and in my own path in terms of filmmaking and writing and um, all of that too. So mm. there's something about, to me, about the wholeness of the human condition. Um, so all that all of these things are interrelated. Yeah. I, I'm really struck by this, like, the charlatans and gurus thing and like sorry sorry, i just squeezed that in and the the new age shit thing right because i think that like i mean i think that what feels particular about the somatics conversation that's happening among my organizer friends Mm. is that it does feel pragmatic and concrete in a way yeah um that maybe some of the other embodiment tools that are like exploding in popularity in the mainstream right now Mm. around um yoga and meditation and like very incredible long-standing modalities yeah but that are also being sort of like commodified and diluted and appropriated and there's something about like somatics that feels like a really a pragmatic and precise sort of almost like utilitarian (laughs) re-relationshipping with the body of like okay we have to do a thing so now let's like work on the body parts of that thing or the skill the the embodied skill to be able to show up as leaders and it's not it's not woo it's like let's you know let's train our bodies to be ready for what we need to do with also our minds and our you know intellect and Mm -hmm. our emotion and all of that so I'm, I'm curious how you would define somatics just because like that's just so not a word that anyone uses in the everyday. <laughs> no? What is somatics? <laughs> um, yeah, like I could, we could spend a whole chunk of time talking just about jargon mm-hmm, <laughs> and what mm-hmm. that does for us. Um, but no, I, I don't want to take all the, all the witchy woo-woo out of it, right? Mm. Like all the, all the magic out of it because there is something I think wonderfully intuitive and beautiful and mysterious about um, about this work, um, in, in much the same way as like there's techniques and 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 things to pay attention to in like right crafting like sentences and paragraphs and essays and all that. But there's a, there's a real flow that comes from something else and emotive force, you know, that sometimes can get mysterious for us because we're we're like. I don't know, little human beings <laughs> trying to relate to each other in this strange planet. So I don't want to take out all of that. Mm. But but yeah, pragmatism. Mm. And 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 yeah, there's something very concrete and um and skill like you know, skill uh, based about this and and relational. So um you know, fundamentally what somatics is is a methodology of embodied transformation individually and collectively so it is about embodiment it's about um um us embodying our wholeness and aliveness and so um so all right cool what does that mean (laughs) right um you know, it, there there's a lot, yes, in mainstream culture and in yoga and, you know, and I, yes, like you say, these are centuries old 
practices and uh, bodies of work. But there's a but besides even the commodification, yoga is is also much more um, internal, mm. right? And somatics is fundamentally relational, so it's individual and collective. Right? It really, really understands that we have been shaped by society. It's a methodology that is um, very clear on that point. It's a politicized methodology. Power shapes us, power dynamics, unjust power dynamics shape us, um, as well as like uh, w whether it's in social forces that are really large, you know, white supremacy, patriarchy, capitalism, or it's or um, family systems and the power dynamics within that, which also kind of can embody those <laughs> bigger systems, community, um, environment. So there's ways in which we are shaped cumulatively and by really difficult conditions, painful conditions, past suffering, traumatic conditions, oppression, however you want to describe it. So that we get shaped and we hold that and we don't always just hold that in our self-understanding, self-concept, intellect, but in our tissues, sinews, muscles, breath, patterns, right? Yeah. And um, that what we want to do in terms of embodied transformation um, in the in the healing work and in the leadership development work is that we get to shape back. We get to shape mm -hmm. things back. We get to actually um, cultivate our agency in relationship to one another, together. Um, so not alone, no one heals alone, right? We heal with each other. We are fundamentally interdependent social animals. Um, and so we heal with one another um, towards our full potential, our full power, our full, um, our full alive selves. Right? So, so that's the, the core principle of it is that we are, it, to me, I mean, the way I regard it is that we get shaped and we get shaped in this very whole way, not just intellectually and self-conceptually, but in our full systems. Mm -hmm. um, and then through healing and through leadership and work with one another, um, we get to make more room for ourselves and each other and we get to actually embody our full selves together. Mm. Um, so the body embodiment, embodied transformation is certainly a core element, but there's a very kind of sloppy way in which that we can talk about mind-body, mind-body, right? We can, and, and in some ways the way I like to think about it is that the body is the self. Mm. So the body is the self. And, um, um, and also there's a collective self, there's a collective body. So that, um, and what, and, and emotions are a core part of that. In fact, our physical states are often like, emotions are physical states. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so somatics will hold that like, well, actually, mm. you know, um, what, what, what it means to include the body is that you're acknowledging that like, that's also where you hold your sense of self, whether you recognize it or not. Mm. You know, we have to kind of overcome our chronic human mistrust of the body and our ways of objectifying the body um, that all our systems encourage us to do, whether it's, yeah. you know, capitalist commodification in concert with patriarchal objectification, <laughs> you know, and like the way in which like black bodies are treated in this society or, mm -hmm. you know, we have to like coordinate that awareness, yes, but that, um, you know, we move from that to a more subjective sense of ourselves. 
right? Like, so more like inside out, more like actually acknowledging that we overcome that mistrust and then regard our whole selves um, alongside one another. Mm. Mm. It, it really strikes me like this idea of um, identifying where systems of oppression or past traumas like have are living in our bodies, right? Mm. And connecting in that way. And then I feel like a whole nother up level that sort of happened for me even in talking with um, Kara Page and Susan Raffo in an, in an episode that we did. Mm. Uh, uh, I think it was episode eight about like how also the political issues that we're working on, nothing is just an issue. And that actually every issue that we're working on is, um, is body related. <laughs> like, <laughs> like for some reason that should be obvious, but mm-hmm. for some reason that blew my mind of like reproductive rights, obviously body related, um, you know, climate justice, mm-hmm. bodily survival related, mm-hmm. mass incarceration, like restriction of the movement of bodies, mm-hmm. right? Migration, restriction of the movement of bodies, mm-hmm. like, like every issue that I can think of, you know, patriarchal objectification, <laughs> like oppression of women, like, um, the policing of queer and trans bodies in the way that people use their bodies to express themselves or to relate to one another. Like, I think for me, for some reason, I've thought very intellectually about, well, these are the political issues that I care about. And when I get into sort of like, um, I can't remember which poet talks about like the soft animal of the body. I think that would be like, I think it might be Mary Oliver. I'm not sure. But like, Mm. um, when I think about moving from that place, it's like suddenly I'm relating to my politics as, as a creature that's like seeking freedom yeah, and survival creature. and agency, like you <laughs> yeah. said. So yeah, totally, absolutely, yeah. I mean, we. I mean, I mean, this is where like, I, I mean, it sounds, it almost sounds like hippy dippy or something to say, but we are nature. We are animals. You know, we have. You know, somatics really regards the evolutionary wisdom of that. You know, like it's like yeah, we are, we are, it, we are in relationship, in very fraught relationship to nature, mm-hmm. um, and uh, including ourselves, right? Like, but we are fundamentally that's who we, that's what we are, um, and we're certainly animals. We're human animals that you know spend a lot of time up in our frontal lobes, but we're animals. <laughs> we our self concepts very important to us, you know, <laughs> for sure. And you know that's part of it. We're not trying to do away with that. We're like we. This is not about doing away with intellectual rigor. I mean, you you know, we can talk about that only mm-hmm. too. Mm-hmm. To me, it's about um, recognizing that it's connected to our emotive physical selves, um, and that that's actually that that kind of recognition, that coordination, is what makes us more powerful and more whole mm-hmm. and more um, much more uh much more liable to actually listen and pay attention to one another as our full beings rather than like as just sort of um defensive kind of heads walking around on sticks which is sometimes how we can be totally um you know there is this not to throw in like like statistics and study but but there is um there was a study done around um um really like a really massive study actually a very long-term study of like 17,000 civil servants I mean that about like what the impact of having um low status job that isn't paid well and where like 
people have to confront the loss of control over their lives and their own dignity, what, how much that impacts their, not just their sense of self, um, but like their sense of self health-wise too. I mean, it's a much, it's a larger factor than, um, um, uh, what people normally say, you know, it's, high blood pressure and smoking and obesity, you know, can, can give, can give you a heart attack. Right. And, Mm -hmm. and it's like, actually like the indignity of, of injustice, um, the, um, the loss of a sense of control over one's life, um, that kind of stress, that kind of impact, um, is what is much more likely to kill you. Right. So it's, I mean, it's, there's something in terms of even our movements to recognize that like, um, that, that this is actually, this is, there, there's a way in which um, society is organized that actually is deeply harmful mm-hmm. for people's physical, emotional, mental health mm-hmm. and sense of their self. Mm-hmm. Um, so if we're not taking care of each other on that level, then, um, then who's going to do that? You know, I mean, it's like how or how do we do that well? Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, in a way that like really recognizes that, that 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 full sense of self. So that to me is also what part embodied transformation, um, you know, is recognizing. Yeah, and part of what I'm hearing, even in like the the physical symptoms and chronic illness that can manifest as a result of that kind of stress and pressure, is like the medicalization that then like revictimizes and and blames and diverts folks right in in terms of like right pathologizing right. a very uh a very like natural and actually healthy response to that degree of consistently applied pressure right <laughs> um is like to for the body to experience breakdown because yep. and and that's where i start to think about the collective body piece because um when those kinds of of symptoms or or like uh like alerts of breakdown come up um, and we start to witness patterns, right? Like that is not actually about individual responsibility, but that's about some collective experience. Mm -hmm. And so I'm curious, just, I feel like I, I have like an an emotional reaction to the word collective body where I'm like, (laughs) yes, that makes sense to me. (laughs) But I don't know that I've actually been part of a conversation where that's been like defined and, Mm -hmm. uh, and Mm -hmm. yeah, to put some flesh on like what that idea is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What is a collective body? Hmm. Um, I know, let's see how to say this. Um, To me, like the collective body is, um, I mean, it's, it's, it's a sort of unit of relationships in some ways, right? And it's, um, it's a, I, and I, I think there's different collective bodies, right? I mean, we can think of um, an organization as a collective body. Um, so a group, any group of people is a collective body. And uh, we can think of a society as a collective body, a community as a collective body. I mean, you know, in, in its particular given moment of history, right? So like to then, and then to actually attend to how that group of people might have, their shared experiences might have shaped them. So, and, and, and what, um, their environment and how historical forces might have shaped that given group. 
So, you know, I think it is just, it, it's just really, um, like what, what happens to them in terms of, yes, like sort of their own responses to the pressures around them. And then how does, how do they treat one another? What is their overall shaping? So somatics, we always talk about shape. This is another little, little jargon moment. Um, but, um, you know, we, I, I might've said it before actually, but that like we're somatics acknowledge somatics acknowledges that we're shaped and then we can shape back. So a collective body is also shaped right, by all of these different forces, whether it's historical forces or their environment or like particular injustices or um, or their forms of resilience and their forms of ways of like actually, you know, um, not just surviving, but really reconnecting with their own aliveness and bouncing back under pressure, right? So so collective body is just, is, is more than one, right? And that has a particular set of shared experiences or shared, um, um, shared life together that they can identify, that they can self-identify. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's how I would. That's my. That's my. That's my attempt at at, uh-huh. at, at defining what a collective body is. Uh-huh. Um, that's not to say that, like, when we're talking about a collective body, we're only dealing with them in collectivity as like a one uniform monolithic kind mm-hmm. of shape. But obviously, like, even society as well as just we're made up of individuals. So, and part of somatics is like really our lens is tuned in to our. Um, individual agency connected to a collective agency thinking about collective body makes me think about this moment in our country um and kind of experiences of of one collective body of people who are here in the u.s at this time and therefore like actually the collective body of the world is feeling the ripples out of what is happening here but then also that there's very distinct collective body experiences within this country and what is happening in like the collective body of folks that are sort of organizing into the alignment of the political orientation that Trump represents um (laughs) and like the relationship there to agency around like really a narrative of people who have the most quantifiable agency in the country, Mm. like white men and rich folks, Mm -hmm. um, developing a narrative actually about how their agency is under threat Mm -hmm. um, and and going into responsivity around that. And then there's like a very real experience on the other side of people who have over history and even increasingly now in some ways, like are experiencing a limitation on their agency in a material way, right? And like the completely different narrative there. And I'm sort of just grappling with like, yeah, what is this experience that might be unique, might not be unique at all of, of the collective body in this country and how that relates to our perception of our own agency, whether that's accurate or not. Oof. <laughs> Can you break that down for us? Oh, yeah. No, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm in as much of a question... Um, as you are for sure. Um, I mean, there, you know, I mean, there's so many different ways to approach this in terms of like, like a collective body. I mean, the collective body of, and the narrative of nationhood is fascinating to me, 
right? Like the, like it's who belongs and who doesn't and what that does to a sense of reactivity, like reactivity in a sense of one's own, like, um, all right, so we can dominate with this narrative. Mm. Um, so, I mean, there's, you know, collective bodies are, are shaped with narratives and purposes for sure. You know, I feel like purpose usually gives us is what gives us our agency too, you know. So a collective uh, movement, collective body, for example, a social movement's collective body, it's like what is the shared purpose? What is, and that kind of is what cultivates our agency. So in terms of these sort of reactive forces, these reactionary forces, there is a definitely a sense of threat to their national narrative, it sounds like, mm. seems like to me, mm-hmm. right? Like it's like their national narrative their narrative of like um like they're losing control they're like you know there is that and and then the powers that be the elites are like the ones that can really play on that right like i mean because generally i think there is that um um there's a capacity to organize building on building on a sense of threat and then like you know cultivating um what the response could be and like really stoking reactive fires mm-hmm. right so i mean this is a time of monsters this is a time of mo- monsters as gramsci once said you know paraphrasing but like when the old world is dying and a new world is struggling to be born so here we are, and in some ways, there's deep reactive, you know, threat responses um, that are incredibly defensive and protective around a kind of really old, brutal shape um, that is all about white, white supremacy and patriarchy and capitalism and how they've intersected in the creation of this country. Mm-hmm. You know, um, it's, it's, it, it's fundamental to this country's DNA in some ways, um, how those things intersect, mm-hmm. right? In terms of like the, the expansion of slavery onwards, like as a, as a kind of birthing, uh, birthing point uh, mm-hmm. of nationhood, mm-hmm. um, and, you know, and of a whole global system in some ways too. So there's a real, this is our system of racial capitalism and all the symptoms of it, all that reactivity is just flowing forth, right? Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of like that kind of like, all right, who do we blame? Who do we shame? Um, that's what often happens with reactivity, right? It's like, who do I blame? Who do I shame? Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? It can happen for us individually too. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's um, you know, I, I think that's part of what's happening there. I mean, that's one, I guess that's one stab at it, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. is that it, at least in terms of um, um, national narrative and particularly the reactionary nar- narrative. Um, and then there's also, the, you know, God and racism are such wonderful um, aiders and abettors in that kind of um, sense of nationhood too, right? It's like, yeah, who belongs, who doesn't, um, and 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 here's how here's how we can like create like this warped sense of morality around it um, to back us up, because yeah. um, then we get the glory with with all our <laughs> fucked up responses too. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. yeah. I feel like that reaching for tools that have been invented to, like, prop up the justification of systems of dominance, like how you're talking about, like, religion or, like, like narratives about the history of this country and who we are that are just really not accurate at all, like our mythologies, right? Mm-hmm. Um, 
and thinking about like I, I can't remember who I've heard talk about this, but mm-hmm. the amount of energy that it takes to sustain like the justification of dominance, exploitation, and extraction. Mm-hmm. Because our natural state, like we all know, when you're in a relationship where there's reciprocity, yeah. there's a there's a there's a resting state there. There's a down-regulated nervous system that's available mm. there because you can be safe together, right? Like you know people have your back. Like there's a sustainable way of being, and that systems of dominance are like are so um so impractical mm-hmm. and illogical and so like so we end up reaching so far to continue to justify and reinforce and and enforce like these these systems of inequality that um I don't know I hear I hear, I've heard folks talk about it as kind of like a last gasp yeah. of being able to defend those things and that almost like that forcing that reactivity um is like a, a grabbing for um sustaining the amount of energy that it physically takes to justify something that's unjustifiable. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And that makes me want to ask about pressure because I know <laughs> that pressure is like super key and core to the conversation of somatics yeah. and our experience of pressure and what our reactivity is within that. And so I'd love yeah. to just hear a little bit about like, what is that framework? Yeah. Yeah. Let's pressure. get into that. I, and I just want to say that like, yeah, right. The death throes of an empire like, like shit, you know, like what, what does that produce? Like, you know, like there's definitely an argument for the U.S. being a nation in decline and, um, you know, an empire in decline in a broader sort of world system view. And so, you know, what are these sort of monsters that emerge when that when that's when that's happening so mm. all right putting that aside <laughs> because there's a whole rabbit hole that is <laughs> real deep that we can kind of wander through together i know over there but um so okay pressure like uh pressure like everyday pressure pressure yeah so with somatics definitely some of the core work that we do is Um, around the question of what do we want to embody more consistently under pressure, so including under pressure. A recognition that pressure is an everyday thing, a recognition that pressure is a looming big thing, um, and that um, like a little pressure can go a long way in our bodies. (laughs) And what I mean by that is that... um, um, often, um, and this gets into the realm of discussing, I would say, like traumatic responses under pressure too, right? So um, that sometimes what we feel as pressure, um, which can, I mean, the sort of common language lore around it is sort of trigger, right? Like a trigger. And in somatics, we call it grabs. Um, so when we're grabbed, um, um, it can kick up um, a reaction in us um, that uh, may not be in real time with what that pressure is, may not be in real time, so that our response can be to something that might have happened in our past or, or a cumulative, like, like totally wise response. I mean, because in the sense that like there's a lot of ways in which we arm ourselves and shape ourselves to survive um, uh, the multi, like the range of different pressures and sometimes really, really painful pressures in our histories. Um, 
So, so pressure is such a big catch-all word in that sense, right? Like, so it, there is legitimate, real pressure living in a kind of society with a history such as this. Um, and at the same time, there are those everyday pressures that happen that can trigger a really strong response that may not be in real time um, and might be disproportionate to the pressure that's coming at us. So might be, yeah, to allow for the possibility that it that th- this might be residual from something else mm-hmm. and to be able to internally sort not conceptually but in our own systems to re-regulate our systems to ease up and to actually face into those pressures in a way that is um that recognizes and and um and relaxes and opens up and you know it gives us the capacity to face in in real time Right, so um, we have a very basic um, practice, uh, like it's a building block practice called centering, and um, you know, and from centering we have, you know. Uh, all of these different things that we we say centered, we make centered requests, centered boundaries, you know, centered forms of consent, yes, no, maybe, centered surrender. Um, there, there's all there, there's just center centering is such a building block of our work, um, and um, <clears throat> so uh, in centering, all we're doing is cultivating an internal sense, regenerating an internal sense of safety, a home base, giving ourselves a little bit more room um, to um, increase our capacity for the range of emotion that we might have in us as a response. Um, So to slowly build that in and have a home base that we can come back to in ourselves that allows us to face into pressure more effectively um, with more perspective and with a connection to our purpose. Mm. So it reorganizes ourselves, you know, it allows us to reorganize ourselves. I mean, it's easier said than done um, and for good reason because we, um, we're, we're all used to kind of being more, uh, I, I mean, I'm speaking for everybody in the whole human, <laughs> but, but there is a, there, we certainly have our tendencies, our, our habits under pressure. Um, so our very automatic responses that that have been shaped in us by whatever our particular experiences are, mm-hmm. um, but that are often shared by people within our collective body too. Mm-hmm. So there are ways in which we all experience and our body goes for very similar things. For example, when um, we're angry, right? like there's a lot of... Uh, our bodies tense up, get rigid, go sort of up, really in the face, outward, mm. um, you know, for example. So there are ways in which there's very cross-cultural ways we embody emotion mm. um, and, and reactions to things as well. And then there are specifics. So um, centering just allows us to settle more into our systems so we can face into whatever the pressures are. That was kind of long-winded way of responding to what are pressures. Um, Well, I love that folks are going to actually get an experience of, because I I had heard people talk about centering for a long time and it feels very (laughs) intimidating. Like, oh, some people are are centered and like, I don't know what I, I'm chopped liver or whatever. Like, I don't really know what that is, right? (laughs) And so... um, Something I'm excited about is that I know in the practice, you're going to be leading us through a centering Mm -hmm. exercise. Yeah. So folks can sort of try on what that is rather than like just hear about it. Um, But I also want to just share a little bit vulnerably the two of us, if we can, like 
what have we learned via this modality of somatics and sort of observation of the body under mm-hmm. pressure mm-hmm. about ourselves? Because that might bring a little more concreteness there. Yeah. Um, and I'm, I'm even curious your perspective on like, I feel like lately I've been noticing that what I thought was my reaction under pressure may have now changed. Yeah. And I feel like that's possible. Hmm. That if we can shape, then we can reshape and like get new reactions and new eras and, yeah. um, that are developed based on what's going on. And so I, I feel like when I was little, like my clear reaction was fight back. Yeah. Like under pressure, definitely went straight to fight. And that's really what led me to activism. Yeah. <laughs> because as I started to see injustice in the world, it was like joining the fight back felt like an immediate response for me. And so I've sort of carried this story that that's who I am. Mm -hmm. But I think after the past 10 years of um, really needing to learn dramatically about like what is white supremacy and what is class Mm -hmm. and starting to understand like all of these layers of privilege and supports that I have in my own life as a white middle-class woman doing Mm -hmm. this work, Mm -hmm. I I think that I may have been reshaped within movement culture to now go to appease Mm -hmm. (laughs) and to sort of like drop out, right? And to, and, and out of good intention. And and Mm -hmm. sometimes that, sometimes out of a grounded place that isn't appeased, like be able to self-check Hmm. on, you know, what are the dynamics here that I don't understand or what are the ways that I need to let go or make space? Mm-hmm. And that that could be done in a centered way, but that also I see like white anti-racist folks in movement spaces often do in an uncentered way, like mm-hmm. a like a total a letting go or a, or a surrender that is like overly hot potatoing our power and agency, <laughs> yeah. right? Um, and so I'm, I'm starting to relate more, a little bit more to the appease response in, yeah. in these days. But I, yeah, I'm curious if you have any reflections about that or on your own experience of your own responses under pressure. Totally. I mean, kind of both. And um, yeah, I mean, that's just so, that's just so um, interesting to hear, like what, right? Like this sort of reshaping and um, the new environment and like, you know, what comes up for me is like, so um, really like our responses under pressure are often shaped by our need for safety, dignity, and belonging. Yeah, and so in some ways here you are in a new environment and it's like, all right, how do I get safe and and or hold on to my dignity or really belong? And it's a terrain for a new shaping there, right there, right? Mm-hmm. And there it's like, okay, so how do I stay connected then uh, into the in this place mm-hmm. right and the appease is giving you a way in there mm. right of like no I just I, I want that's how I safeguard relationship perhaps yeah and that like you're from what I hear you say like a kind of a centered sort of wider more room for yourself kind of um a perspective or a reorganizing of yourself under that pressure is a kind of like, oh, I can, I can make room, I can make room and and listen and like really engage where I'm, 
um, I've been challenged, but maybe there's a centered accountability there, or there's maybe a way in which I can engage in, and sort of be curious about, oh, how, how do I participate in, 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 in certain uh, ways of dominating or what have you, but how do I retain my dignity? How do I actually be in my own dignity and my own agency and not relinquish that towards a kind of um, like uncentered appease where it's just about like enabling whatever comes up and like just for the sake of retaining relationship and not breaking it Mm. Um, because it doesn't allow for your full wisdom, what you know, why you came into this work, Mm. right? What you care about. Um, And we need all that, (laughs) don't we? Mm -hmm. Like, we need all that. We need each other's full selves. Like, we need each other's dignity. We need our mutual dignity, and we need that. And, um, you know, one thing I've learned for myself um, is um, I have my own. Like, it's, it's actually funny. It's quite, I have my own really strong appease tendency. Um... And also kind of a deep shutdown, like a fear of being seen um, and a fear of revealing um, my own shaping because, oh, it's too complicated. I grew up in Dubai. No one knows where Dubai is and will make automatic assumptions because they see this glamorous cosmopolis. And, you know, the fact that it's a source for so much of my own traumatic responses. And I've got to go through through my explanation. So I almost cancel out all my overcomplication. <laughs> and then I shut down. My mouth goes dry. And I just, like, it's very hard for me to be seen. Mm. Um, and so it's very hard for me to show up with that power and agency in, like, in our, in our movements as well. Like, in those kind of spaces. And I'm doing myself... Um, you know, no favors there and not acknowledging the dignity and the courage in my story Um, and not then like allowing for other people too, right? I'm like actually not like actually bringing my own full self in. So I'll hide away in that way, but then I'll really appease and I'll be like, I'm here for you. Mm. (laughs) I'm here for you I'm here for you I'm here for you and so how do I keep staying that mutual connection that allows for um, my story to be seen in yeah it's complexity but also it's simplicity like I have some of the same things that like fuck with me that other people do and to be able to get to the root of that and be like actually see that see that in my story too and um and allow for the the nuance of ways in which like um ways in which I have advantage and ways in which I haven't um interact in a space and what wisdom that can offer Mm. um so I'm still working on that you know I feel like that's something that even as a writer I um I'm still working on um in terms of that vulnerability and that like capacity to reveal with full congruence you know um, so, you know, again, I think that that's, um, uh, you know, how to, it's, it, it, so much of this is about our yearning to feel safe and to be, it, it's really hard to tolerate the discomfort that can go with really feeling our full selves at first, you know, and, you know, it's like our, res- like to allow ourselves to tolerate whatever our responses and emotions are when things get difficult, mm. um, amongst friends, amongst comrades, um, and 
to, um, to, to kind of stay with one's own emotional response, tolerate the discomfort of it and not see it as danger. Mm. Right. Like, but to be able to actually have generative conflict, generative disagreement, and also like toggle around with like one's own, like, um, identity and one's own, like, um, story in a way that, um, ultimately is more powerful when we're there to, like kind of mm-hmm. you know grappling with it together mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. you know it's often that's when the big exhales happen in our sort of group somatic spaces is when oh something someone cut to the quick mm. right of like what this what this really is about for them is it about their belonging being taken away is it about like oh i just don't feel safe oh my dignity has been taken away for so long or like I've I've cut off my aliveness in this way, and like, oh, oh you you see me, mm. you know you see me I see you, mm-hmm. and like you know this is not going to be easy. Mm-hmm. So let's get in. Mm-hmm. Let's do the work. <laughs> the belonging and safety piece is just so compelling. Like how it's so simple and it feels so underneath so much of what is happening at all times. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm curious about you know as we. I feel like in movement spaces, and I think in mainstream culture too, like as language around trauma and trigger is becoming like a little more popularized and like almost like pop culture applied in some ways, like I, th- I think there's some great benefit there of starting to acknowledge, you know, complexity of and and um, what comes up when we're together. Um, and I'm curious, like from your standpoint, the somatics work you do, how you define trauma or trigger, and also the ways that you're seeing those concepts be engaged with, you know, more in movement spaces or in the mainstream in ways that are really helpful, or maybe also ways that are being misapplied. Uh, yeah, I got some thoughts about this. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do it. Let's do it. Um, well, first of all, I guess trauma, uh, which is a word that is really bandied about a lot, you know, and so now probably like in sort of, a, so there's the sort of mainstream way might me kind of bandied about. And then also maybe even in our movement ways of like just talking about trauma, 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 you know, it's just, it starts to kind of get like what's that fancy word reified or like it starts to get become its own fetish or something. Mm. It starts to become this thing that we just say, mm. I'm traumatized by that. I'm traumatized. I'm trauma, you know? And so, I mean, trauma and somatics were like, um, I hope I do justice to this definition. I'm taking a stab at it, but it is that, um, that, uh, when, when one is having a traumatic response, there's a, um, it's not a real time response. And there's actually a feeling of um, intense internal pressure that makes someone want to uh, really rush to safety somehow um, and protect oneself. So it's a very much of a threat response, right? So it's uh, it can it can look in a number of different number of different ways, but it's a strong emotional reaction um, that involves like quickly taking care of yourself and might be informed by history, mm-hmm. right? So um, like really painful history. So it, it, what what's happening though is that you're not necessarily in real time. So that is, so it could be like there's a impulse to just fight back disproportionately or like, or, or, or flee 
or shut down till everything kind of calms down, till the danger's gone, um, or, um, or or really, really try to over-appease, like kind of take care of everything, calm everyone down, because that was your role um, historically, you know, when, when things were, shit was really hitting the fan around you as a child, perhaps, or, um, you know, or just checking out because that actually is what took care of you when something really, um, painful was happening to you. So there's a, um, in that sense, there's a sort of residual body-based, like sort of muscular breath-based response that's just happening in your system. And you may or may not have actually, connected with that cognitively also Mm -hmm. right like so um oftentimes when we talk of trauma we talk about what's unspeakable and it gets really shut away um and you know we don't get to talk about it as like a real thing that affects people and in all the ways that we've been talking about it right now which is that like like our society really produces trauma oppression and injustice and un, like unequal power dynamics of various kinds produce a kind of trauma. Uh, our very sense of self feels compromised when we're under pressure. So that to me is trauma. And, and, like, um, and, and so that real-time response right, is what is, is what is involved in healing trauma. And two people can go through the same kind of really screwed up set of events and come out really differently um, based on a number of factors that range from things that have to do with our genetics and our evolutionary stuff, you know, DNA stuff, as well as like, um, oh, there was one person in someone's life that was really consistent with them and that actually moved them towards a different Mm -hmm. um, uh, place of healing, um, you know, more automatically. So, you know, I, there's just, it, it, it's, this is where it does get to be quite individual, and that's important. Like, not everything individual is bad. We are a society made up of individuals, so there is something that we need to kind of recuperate about how do we take care of individuals who have borne the brunt, um, right? And how do we do that in a way that's relational and connected to one another? Mm. So that, to me, yes, absolutely is important. But I feel like there's also a way in which the word trauma gets to be really quickly kind of used and applied to everything. So I'm traumatized not right now, so you gotta, you gotta stay away from me. Or like, I mean, actually like having a traumatic response, which involves like, I need to be away is to be respected, sure. But there's a way in which I think... Um, trauma is a very quick catch-all word to use and it's a really big word to just quickly shut down conversation Mm -hmm. or move away from one another because it's hard to tolerate the discomfort of like any pressure the pressure of disagreement for example is is traumatic (laughs) right or like and and is seen and 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 that discomfort of being in disagreement is quickly read as danger so without healing, we're not able to just go, wow, I'm uncomfortable right now without quickly going from, you know, sort of point A to like sort of down the chute into a place that feels like the abyss and that feels like you're all alone, isolated, like when you once felt powerless because no one was there for you, mm-hmm. right? So how do we actually like really be there for one another now and keep like healing and building a kind of shared leadership that kind of really remembers that, that we actually are fighting for one another's power and aliveness mm. and dignity. 
So, and that, that takes some work and that takes some very concerted effort. And that takes recognizing that trauma belongs in a conversation about like movement building, mm. right? Um, where we get to be in relationship in that way. But it, it, but I think there is something that is not as like interesting or, or maybe it's interesting, but it's not as useful happening when we bandy about like I'm traumatized and then leave it at that and shut down conversation and not actually tend to it in a way that both takes it seriously and like um, allows it to actually build our connection back up with one another rather than shutting each other down, blaming and shaming one another, not looking out for one another's dignity, really trying to take care of yourself and moving, move and get the hell away from movement or get, you know, it's like there's a lot of other things that can happen. Mm-hmm. Trigger warnings is one, you know, I mean, we've talked about this before. It's like is 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 a particular thing that like I'm very mystified by. It's this, to me, it's this kind of repressive bourgeois feminist response to a um, to 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 discomfort, and and like it's like you know I mean and I, I, I might get in trouble saying that because it's like I, I think people have different opinions around this. Um, um, but I do think that like when you slap a trigger warning, I'm sorry, but I'm, tr- I'm sorry I'm triggered so we can't talk about that. Um, I don't know if that generates the kind of interconnectedness that we need um, to actually move to a place of um, uh, like a collective power and collective, just a collective worth. Yeah. Um, so... I mean, uh, there. It, it, what it does to me is it actually ends up, like, uh, you know, uh, shutting down a, a, a conversation or saying that that's off limits, mm. and it actually signifies division and lack of trust um, between us in our movements. So how we move beyond that, though, is I think has to be handled with care. So I'm not advocating easy, simple solutions like stop doing that, you know. Mm -hmm. But I do think we have to consider when we are making a move that's more about that's more repressive, and when we are making a move that is more expansive. And we don't have to include everyone all the time, and that's not what I mean either. But we can honor each other's dignity, and we can actually. allow for us to have our responses and the and yes like the emotional response is valid when something is happening that reminds you of something that is actually deeply painful um or that is just a re-traumatization those are all valid things um but to um to really like um not to foreclose what it means to actually be in relationship with one another and heal Mm. Yeah, so that means we actually have to attend to this more, mm. not to shut the conversation down. We actually have to attend more and not to sort of over over care for like, okay, that means we can't go there mm-hmm. and then slap a label on it and move away, mm. right? Like I, there's something to me that's a, that's a, there's a call to depth and a call to relating more deeply in a more trustworthy way. And that takes practice. That takes reentering. And, um, and, and going back again and going back again mm-hmm. and fighting for one another again and like really like handling that carefully, mm-hmm. yeah, handling that carefully with skilled practitioners. I mean, you know, I mean, it takes, it takes years to handle that well. There is some quality to being able to deal with whatever happens and around trauma responses and triggers in like our movements that those are real things yeah. um but how do we deal with them with with a with full dignity and full you know yeah engagement does yeah. That, i mean does that 
Yeah. I hear so clearly from you now and also just consistently from knowing you, um, this really fierce commitment around moving into more relationship and not, uh, not standing for things that are like quick disconnections. Mm -hmm. Um, and that feels, and then also the advocacy around like, it takes skill to hold these things well and it takes practice. And I know, uh, you know, from the outside, I know that the culture at generative somatics very much holds that with a lot of, um, craft yeah and a lot of commitment of like actually and that's to some degree the mission of this podcast too is to actually visualize some of these skill sets that are deeply necessary for us to build together and build power and live more into our own liberation now not as like some far off in the future goal that we'll never see right and um and it brings up for me a question of just like what are you seeing in the now, in the work that you do one-on-one with organizers and also mm-hmm. with groups, as as trends in the needs of, uh, or patterns perhaps, mm-hmm. um, of what people who are doing social movement work are, are coping with and like what kind of supports and skill is most mm-hmm. useful in these times. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's a great and, and, and juicy, juicy question with its own show. <laughs> we can have many episodes <laughs> devoted to that. Um, I mean, what I can say, and I, I do want to say that, like, I, 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 that, that, that the rigor in which generative somatics, I mean, I think that there is a real commitment to that quality of, like, um, like that there's a quality there's a there's 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 training there's accountability to doing this work well that is very important to gs and that i've i've learned a lot from having experimented in all kinds of different directions like that like level of rigor around no 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 this is like therapeutic work (laughs) for real it's therapeutic work and it's one that we want to do together and collectively and more broadly but we got to do it well because otherwise we're fucking each other up right Mm. so let's not fuck each other and fuck each other up let's do it well Mm. um so it's that accountability and that integrity that is important i think um and um uh and so so that feels really important um and then I lost my train of thought. <laughs> mm, the patterns that you're seeing in like what organizers uh-huh, are that's dealing right. that's with. That's the juicy like several episode thing. Um, I, with, um, you know, I mean, I think part of it is this, well, since you brought this up around like um, trigger warnings and there's some, there is a kind of, uh, blame, shame, judgmentalness sometimes that I find a lot of refugees from that coming in through my doors, um, where we're, where inherent worth, um, and believability, um, um, and trust gets really questioned for people. Um, and so, uh, that, that the sort of, and, and then causes them to avoid conflict, or um, and not view it as generative, and not view it as something that actually can, that can bring us closer together. Um, so that's one thing that like um, I notice and see, um, and that like really kind of feeling into one's own um, 
like worth and dignity and entering back into relationship and conversation and even conflict and tolerating discomfort and not viewing it as danger become important skills to embody. Um, and then also really like feeling the concern of other people, right? Like this, um, this move that we call the blend in, in like um, somatics, um, I always smile at our little different, like little jargony things to say, mm-hmm. but, um, but which, because it sounds like kind of like a smoothie, right? Yeah, I think of coffee. <laughs> or, a co- or a good coffee blend. <laughs> um, yeah, but, but, and blending is um, this, this really profound skill that is about feeling the concern um, of another being or say an individual body, say a collective body, this is how I see it, without losing your, the integrity of your center, your dignity, your own, your own learning and knowing, but really, really being able to feel for the concern of um, who else is with you. Um, so, because we are coming from different strands of, if we want like a full, powerful, coordinated, um, collective movement body that can actually topple some of this bullshit that is, you know, going on and the way in which society is so fucked up, then we, then we got to feel for each other's concern here and the impact of, um, like how we hold, um, like the, those various injustices and systems of oppression in our bodies and in our collective bodies like how do we relate to one another how does that impact our relationship so one of the things one of the skills is to really be able to feel the concern even though it's not your concern it may not be the thing that you came with it may not have like the particular like what's really really desperately important to you in order to be seen can you hold that and can you feel for the concern of someone else who might have something else that's really desperately important to be seen like can you do that can we do that in our systems? Mm. Uh, can we really feel for each other that way? Can we fight for each other that way? I mean, it's coming down to the, some of the same stuff. I feel like I'm repeating, you know, mm. which, is, which is fighting for one another. Mm. Like fighting for one another's um, dignity, fighting for one another's um, embody, like longing to embody uh, whatever they want to embody, fighting for one another's purpose, fighting towards a shared purpose. That's the fight, right? And then... And really being with one another in that, um, you know, and then like, yes, w- w- the clarity of analysis and strategy is deeply important in all of that. And, and sometimes that requires a gear shift, right? <laughs> like in terms of, but that is part of like to do that, right? To be able to hold like a clarity of analysis and strategy, return to that, really feel disagreement and then like be able to hold one another's full selves and like, um, and, and their dignity and all of that. And that different people will come with a different set of experiences and concerns. And we're not talking about a kind of liberal loosey-goosiness here. We're talking about the rigor of what it means to actually build power with one another, Mm. right? Like, so it it, it takes all of us, meaning when I say all of us, I mean all of the, like your whole body, Mm. (laughs) right? All of us, meaning all of yourself, your full aliveness and wholeness and dignity in concert with, right? And that's like we're in centered coordination with one another. We're in centered movement together. Mm. Um, We can make centered requests of one another. We have centered boundaries with one another. Um, You know, we're able to like tie in and re-enter and make offers to one another that come from a centered place or propose things. We're able to be in centered conflict. Mm. 
right? Like we're able to like actually go, oh, no, I just, just total, totally don't agree with that right now. And, mm-hmm. you know, and, and how, do, how do we kind of stay tied in? Or I'm really hurt by this thing you did and stay tied in. Um, and, you know, I mean, GS has taught me a lot about that. Mm. People staying tied in and um, moving through difficult moments um, and, and deepening relationship as a result. Mm. You know, I think our community also has taught me that, you know, of practitioners and teachers um, who are pretty fucking incredible in terms mm. of, like, the work they've done on themselves. And it's very humbling um, to see that and to be a part of it, you know. Mm. Um, yeah, and to, to admit also that we're wounded healers, you know, like we're very much like, you know, we're not, there's no, for me, it's really important to hold that, like in my practitionership and in my teachership is that like, um, no, I mean, like I am here, like, right, trying to like feel into this and tolerate my own responses just like you and I'm, you know, not always successful and like I, I you know, really could use some of my own internal compassion more sometimes and compassion from other people when I don't do it as well. Mm. So, and you know, it's even that, there's that too, you know, it's like, how do we, how do we hold that? Like we're all in it kind of, Mm. you know, doing this together. So So I'm thinking about just like the image that you painted of the um, commitment in the generative somatics community of, like a real community of practice. Mm-hmm. Um, and also for any of those who are listening, who I imagine are, are many who are like hooked by this conversation and want to try on some of this somatics work. Um, I remember like first hearing this word and feeling totally alienated by it, like Googling <laughs> it and okay, well, Soma is like a Latin root that like refers to the body. So I guess it's just like anything that has to do with the body or like, what is this thing? Right. Yeah. And I'd love if we could paint a little bit of a picture of both what generative somatics is up to. So folks can learn about it, support, maybe apply to participate in a training or bring this work to their org. Um, and then to paint a little bit about the broader ecosystem from what we know of it, of like, mm. are, are there other places where folks are having a somatics conversation besides just GFs? Mm-hmm. So yeah, I'd love to invite you to just like talk about that work and where, where people can reach or where they can support uh, if this conversation has struck a chord. Yeah. Um, well, first thing is Generative Somatics has a website. So that's a good place to at least get familiar with some of the like core tenets and practices and, and theory, right? Um, and then also, so GS is headquarters, we, we always call HQ, <laughs> HQ is in California in the Bay Area. Um, and, um, but there are courses run across the country. And you can also learn about courses from the website. So I encourage people to do that. It requires an application process. There are a couple of different tracks. So there's the embodied leadership track, and then there's the somatics and trauma track, like a healing track. Um, And so depending, and you know, those things really overlap. I mean, that's what we've been talking about, right? But like um, one kind of tends to, and places emphasis on like leadership and one places emphasis on healing, but both are, you know, there's both, both are involved in both. Um, But so I would encourage people to look at that and what feels more right to them. Um, uh, And uh, let's see, what else can I say? There's, there's also somatic practitioners. So there's one-on-one, one way of doing this is also getting a somatics practitioner. We're 
trying to actually build up more and train in more somatic practitioners, one-on-one people. But there are there's a list of practitioners on GS's website, and that's sorted according to region. Um, and then the courses are with teachers. So, so you know, the courses are run like with about 30 uh, to 40 people in a room and um, with a, a, a teaching team of five people because that's what it takes to hold like a room um, and, and good, solid, emotional, somatic work well. So there's that. Um, <clears throat> let's see, what else can I say? And then what's really exciting, I think, is GSS in this phase, um, you know, this is a politicized somatics. It's about acknowledging that we're shaped and that we can shape back. So um, really increasing its emphasis on movement partnerships. So that is, um, so there are organizations that GS actually partners with, like National uh, Domestic Workers Alliance or Racial Justice Action Center. So there's partnerships that have been that have been growing and developing for a really long time um, with members and, and staff of those organizations. Um, and then there are new ones that are in formation. But GS's strategic priorities, um, um, which are really exciting for the next couple of years, are um, freedom from um, um, repression, so that includes state repression, and um, climate justice and environmental justice. So, those are the sort of ca- those are the categories of emphasis. Um, so, like you know, all kinds of anti-criminalization work on the one hand, like state re- anti-state repression work on the one hand, and then climate justice, environmental justice, as ways of just um, like in our current moment, like those are the things that GS wanted to lift and enter into, and felt that that's where somatic work in the collective body would be most useful. So um, yeah, which is great, exciting. So that's 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 some of it. Um, yeah, so people, the courses and practitioners. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, maybe we can put a couple recommendations from you in terms of books or resources and certainly the Generative Somatics website in the show notes so that folks can check out uh, some next places to look. Mm-hmm. And I just want to thank you for having me to your home and sharing your practice and your craft with us and not only your craft in politicized somatic work, but also um, the walls and walls of, of books, including fiction, including the, uh, the art of writing and the passion that you have for that, um, and also including some real intellectual rigor of uh, political theory and what you bring as a strategist. And um, may we all you know, bring our own unique integration of kind of the multiple parts of ourselves and ways of being uh, that are required to really dramatically transform our world. So thank you for sharing with us. Mm, thank you, Kate. Thank you so much. <laughs> you just heard a conversation between Kate Warning and Sumitra Rajkumar. You can download the corresponding practice to hear Sumitra guide you through a somatic centering practice. This can be done anywhere, it can be done alone or in a group. If you're out in public but can stand still, maybe sitting on a park bench or standing on the subway, you can do this there. You can do it sitting in a parked car. And this tool is one of the most fundamental building block tools of somatics. So it gives you a flavor of what that modality is about. And it can help you to presence yourself more fully in your life and in your work. 
I use this practice all the time and being led through it more in depth is really a treat, so I highly recommend it. And if you're listening to this conversation right when it released, keep in mind that we release conversations on Tuesdays and their corresponding practices on Thursdays. So you'll see that practice post Thursday if it's not up already. Sumitra also compiled an awesome book suggestion list for us. So check out the show notes if you're interested in reading more about some of the concepts that she talked about. And if you want to be more deeply part of this community in the new year, Sign up to stay in touch with us at healingjustice.org and engage with us on social media. Talk back to me. We are sharing quotes and images from our inspiring guests every single day on Instagram at Healing Justice, on Facebook as Healing Justice Podcast, and on Twitter at HJ Podcast. So comment, message us, tweet at us, uh, tag us. Do your thing to let us know how you're practicing justice in your life. And our team is 100% volunteer and we're spending our own money to cover the tech costs of this podcast. So if you're in a position to chip in, please join us by contributing at patreon.com slash healing justice. This podcast is generously mixed and produced by Zach Meyer at The Coal Room. And thank you for your commitment to building movements that liberate all of us, including you. Hear you next week.